0: When
1: the midnight comes, the stars
0: will help you guide your feet. And if it's meant to be, you'll end up right here next to me.
1: All I have
0: is love, and love is all I have to give. Take a chance,
1: it's worth it all. Hello everyone, and welcome to Wonder Filled Week. I'm your host, Caitlin Corey. I am beyond excited for today's episode because I have a very special guest whom I admire very much, Mr. Danny Pellegrino. Danny is a true creative an actor, comedian, author of Fancy AF Cocktails, and host of the hilarious Everything Iconic podcast. It's no doubt that Danny is multi-talented, but today we're going to dive deep and learn just how he manages to do it all while actively protecting his mental health. In hopes of doing our part to end the stigma around these conversations, Danny and I are going to get candid about how we rise above. Please welcome to the podcast, Danny Pellegrino. Life is short life is simple life is joy and life is pain life is wonderful
0: and terrible but it's beautiful and loves the same Hi Danny Hey it's so nice to meet you
1: um thank you so much for coming on I really appreciate it
0: Of course my pleasure thank you for having me
1: One thing I really admire about you is um your ability to be so vulnerable on your show so i just was like let me shoot my shot and see if danny can come talk to me so thank you
0: <laughs> well thank you it's my pleasure i i love talking about mental health i know it's such a sort of dark topic but i find it so helpful for myself to talk about it and then i hear from people all the time who uh who listen and and uh share their stories with me and i love that so
1: yeah it's great you're building such a community and we all feel like super safe and and connected with you and even though we don't know you you make it feel like we do so that's huge so i just want to thank you personally as one of your listeners oh
0: thanks caitlin i appreciate it so much thank you
1: yeah Okay, so hi, Danny. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Uh, I feel so honored that you're here today to share this space with me and have a candid conversation. I'm an avid listener of your hilarious podcast, Everything Iconic. And while I tune in for the hilarious pop dives, Bravo recaps, and your famous detours, what strikes me most is when you open up about your mental health. I am always amazed at your ability to be vulnerable and honest while also being hilarious and light. That is a balance that I am definitely working on myself. So I thank you for opening up and sharing. Um, And so if you're ready, we'll get into question one.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, before I'm not quite ready yet because I have to thank you. Uh, I'm so impressed by you too, opening up about mental health and doing your show. It's just, it's an amazing thing. I think when anyone's willing to be open and talk about these things that so many of us struggle with. Uh, So thank you, and thank you for having me.
1: Of course. So as an actor, comedian, author, and podcast host, you're just clearly a natural creative. Has the state of your mental health ever impeded your creative flow? And if so, how have you worked through that challenge to continue to produce creatively and to live the life you want to live? How do you rise above?
0: Well, I think it's an interesting question because for me, my experience, and I know everyone has a different experience, but for me, I go through sort of peaks and valleys with my creativity when it comes uh, in relation to mental health because I've found that uh, oftentimes it can really impede my creativity. And so sometimes I will completely give up on a project or, or uh, move on from something or feel like something, feel like I'm not good enough or that a project I'm working on is not good enough. But then, oddly enough, sort of that, th- those struggles I have with mental health tend to uh, inspire me in other ways and, and lead to uh, creativity that I wouldn't have expected. I mean, uh, you mentioned my podcast, and that really came out of a time in my life where I was at sort of my lowest. I had been performing and doing stand-up and sketch comedy uh, around town, and nothing was really working for me career-wise. It was all... Uh, I had been let go from a theater company that I had been working with, and I really thought I was never going to get on stage again. I was done. Uh, I was in the darkest place of my life. There was like this one month period where I just couldn't even get out of bed. I was, uh, I was having suicidal thoughts, and I was in a really bad place. And I remember a friend had recommended to me like you should start a podcast because you can perform without leaving your house. You can perform without leaving your bedroom. And, and so in in a way uh that rough period of my mental health led to the podcast and uh i had also started um as i was coming out of that month period where i was uh debilitated by depression i was doing all of those things that we hear all the time you're supposed to do like journaling and working out more and all of that kind of stuff and i started working out uh really really religiously at this um at a gym where i met uh, a guy who uh he was a trainer on television and he was looking for someone to write his new book, so then that sort of led to me becoming an author and and so it i i always you know they say everything happens for a reason and i i in a weird way I do feel like everything kind of leads itself to where you're supposed to be, so you might think that I always thought I had this one path uh in life and in my career and then when my debilitating depression hit, it led me to these completely different paths that I would have never expected. And it was really tough to go through, but I'm so grateful. And, And so I don't know if I properly answered that question.
1: No, I think you did. I think that's amazing. And, and I think your friend who told you, well, start small, right? Start with something at home. It's safe and you can just start and do it on your own terms. And so often in the business that you're in with acting and even with being an author and all your creative outlets, a lot of times it's in other people's hands, mm-hmm. right? And it's in other people's control and they get to decide what you get to do and when you get to do it and if you're quote unquote good mm-hmm. enough. But one thing that I love about the podcast platform is that it is on your own terms. You get to be yourself. You get to decide the direction you want to go. And I think that's a beautiful outlook that although, you know, sometimes it can be hard to think everything happens for a reason because, you know, such bad things happen. But what you're doing is reframing and thinking, yeah, you know, there was really dark times and really deep, deep valleys, but I can get to a peak and somehow I did. And there is no one straight path one of the memes I love online is like sort of the bar graph that shows like what you thought mm. it would be like, the expectation of your success and your growth. But really, it's kind of like this jagged line. It's never a straight line. Right. And so I think it's amazing that you can and reframe it and say, those were the darkest days of my life, like contemplating suicidal thoughts. But I was able to pull myself out of it baby steps, and it led you to where you needed to be.
0: Right. And I think it's also important to channel that energy that you have uh, whenever you have it. So sometimes the creative, uh, creative stuff will strike um, when you are in a, a, a bad place emotionally or mentally. And then other times it'll strike uh, when you're in a good place. But I think it just, you have to channel that wherever you can. And so whether that be writing or or in a podcast or whatever you can do to kind of channel that emotion.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I have like I suffer from anxiety, and sometimes it can be so debilitating. And I think to an outsider when I say, oh, I, I'm so debilitated by my anxiety that I can't create. And they might say, well, you love to create. So that doesn't, it's counterintuitive, right? Like you, you want to create. You love to do it. So why can't you do it? It may be hard for other people to understand, but what you and I and many other people know is that even if it's something you love, sometimes it is so hard to muster that almost energy to do it. Because like you said, you couldn't get out of bed. And when people say that, sometimes I don't know if people realize the gravity of that. Like you physically can't get out of the bed. There's no motivation. There's just like this, this darkness. And I know for me, um, my anxiety has stopped me from from doing many things I wanted to do. Um, But when people like you open up on your platforms with such a large audience and other people are doing it and conversations are now starting to occur, I think it makes it a little easier to swallow. You don't feel so alone. And I think that community that you're building and other people are building with their platform that it's okay to feel scared, anxiety. It's okay if you suffer from depression and other things, but you're not alone. And I think that's I have like a back and forth relationship with social media but that is sort of one thing that I it's I like one of to see. Yeah, absolutely. Right.
0: And you mentioned starting small and I remember it just uh even just getting into the shower can be enough on some days like when you're in a really bad spot and it's like that's a good reminder to me. It's like just make it to the shower and then then to the next thing, you know, little steps, baby steps. You don't have to think like big picture or anything. It's like just take the shower, then maybe take the walk outside, or then maybe cook yourself a healthy dinner, whatever it is, just the little baby steps. Uh, It's okay to think of them almost in a minuscule way and and not think of a larger picture.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think there's many days that I've had to crawl before I can walk and walk before I can run. But I think when people say things like celebrate the little victories, they might mean like, like tangible little wins, but sometimes you and I know, and many other people, sometimes the little wind can be getting in the shower. I got up today. I cooked for myself. Like you said, I think that's so important to make that distinction that baby steps, as long as you're in the right direction, your speed doesn't really matter, right? It's just as long as you're heading in the right direction.
0: I I mentioned channeling the energy too. And I think um, resetting your expectations, uh, particularly in career, I think can be very important because, uh, you know, I had even with my writing, I had always, prior to this uh, kind of dark time in my life, I keep saying dark, I, I always think we always use sort of like light and dark or or cloudy when we're describing uh, depression, anxiety. And I always wish I had better words to describe that stuff, because I'm always constantly saying, well, a dark cloud came over me. And it's like, you know, the language of it can be, uh, I, I wish I had better language for it. Um, but uh, I think that I had always thought of myself as like a comedic writer and and around that time I wasn't motivated to write anything comedically I wasn't feeling funny I wasn't feeling uh that way and what I ended up doing was channeling my energy and I started writing something more dramatic and it was unlike anything I had ever written before, but I tried to just take that energy and 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 go with it uh, and then I ended up writing something that I, I I'm more proud of than anything I've ever written in the past and Uh, it would have never happened had I not allowed myself or my creativity to just go that way, uh, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it makes total sense because sometimes you can have a vision of yourself and, and what you quote unquote should be doing or what you think it should look like. But if you just let it flow, it may look different, but it may come out better than you could have ever imagined. So I think the important thing is like being patient with ourselves and being gentle with ourselves. And I know sometimes I have a hard time with that. And because you think you should be doing more and you think you should be doing it this perfect way, but there really is no perfect way. And I think that's sort of a simple truth and it's a complicated road to get there and to accept that, I think.
0: Right. I, yeah. And people who suffer with anxiety, it's like you overthink everything. So you're constantly thinking, am I doing the right thing? Is this right? Is this wrong?
1: Right. Well, in full, in full transparency, like even having you on the podcast it's like create my creative outlet. And it's what I'm passionate about doing. But then I'm so nervous about doing it, because I have such a huge amount of respect for you. So it's like, even in Oh, my God,
0: d- <laughs> Caitlin, stop it. Don't be nervous. <laughs>
1: even doing the things I love and with people I respect. And but I get it, you know, like, it's so hard to, to overcome and do it anyway, because what it would be so much easier to this morning to say, you know what, Danny, I can't do it. Let's just cancel and just hide under the covers. But I'll never get anywhere if I allow my anxiety to run my life. So I'm I'm trying to learn that and to be proactive with that.
0: I mean, you learn the tools and then you hope you can get out of your comfort zone and and with my anxiety, I always think of like my safety zones. And so I'm always happiest like in my bedroom and it's like I'll notice when I'm in a bad space, I'll not want to leave my safety zones. I won't want to go if somebody invites me to a movie or or somewhere that I'm not accustomed to going. Uh, then I will overthink it. I will stress about it. I will cancel and hide under the covers. Um, So it is. it can be a challenge to make it outside of those comfort zones, especially when your anxiety might be extra high.
1: Absolutely. I fully agree. Now, we talked a little bit about social media and people using their platform. So I feel there's been a recent shift in the conversation surrounding mental health. Steps are being taken in the right direction to normalize discussion around anxiety, depression, body struggle, body image struggles, etc. But do you find that men are underrepresented in this conversation? I do.
0: Yeah, I do. Totally in particular, you mentioned body issues, and I feel like that in particular is just a way that or, or just a area that I feel like men aren't talking about a lot and i've I've slowly started to open up about my body and eating issues that I've had for years, and i I don't even know that I have the right words quite yet to to go into detail and so even on my podcast, I've sort of I don't want to say like dip my toe into it, but I I want to be open and I just haven't quite found the language to talk about it yet. But I have, I have sort of scratched the surface of those things that I've dealt with in the past when it comes to uh, body image and eating. And I've heard from so many different men in particular who've reached out to me, who listen to the podcast who say, Oh my God, like no one ever talks about that. Or I think women have gotten very comfortable talking about not all women, of course, but, but I think, in general, women have been more comfortable talking about eating disorders and, and body image, and I think men oftentimes struggle, but it's just that it's, there hasn't been a lot of examples of people talking about it, whether it be in media or or social media and it's tough and I find even I've talked so extensively about my depression and anxiety, and it's like when I talk about the food stuff or the body image stuff. That makes, me, that makes me uncomfortable. And I, so I even know within myself, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not even comfortable talking about it. And here I am comfortable talking about anything. And so that leads me to believe that it, it's something that we need to normalize and, and talk about even more.
1: Absolutely. And I think the reason why women are more comfortable to speak about these things is because it is more widely accepted. I think the stigma around mm-hmm. men speaking about these sort of struggles I think there's a huge stigma around it. I mean, I was reading an article in medical news today, and I'm gonna link it actually in this bio. It was written by Dr. Maria Kohat, and she it was basically about how manning up is not, you know, the the answer for men when it comes to mental health. And the statistics in there were so alarming and chilling because, you know, she was they were basically calling it a silent epidemic that men don't feel comfortable. They are, they're told from a young age, man up boys don't cry. You have to be the protector. There's all these expectations and gender quote unquote norms and and roles we're supposed to play as men and women, boys and girls. And I really think in order for, I mean, you're making huge strides by talking about it on your podcast with such a big following and and other people are starting to, like you said, dip their toe as well. But I think it really has to start with the next, you know, with the younger generation and, and normalizing it for children. Do you think that's sort of like the only way we can get a, like a generation of healthy oh, yeah. adults that can talk about it or?
0: Yeah. Cause I think when you're, when you're raised feeling comfortable and open to talk about things that it, it makes it easier throughout your entire life and we act how we're taught. And so I think of, I mean, even when it comes to food issues, I, I was just recently talking to a friend about this and I remember my mom, she would go on these diets like every six months. And that was when she would get like the snack wells and the rest ice cakes and kind of do like a crash diet. And that was what I saw growing up. And that was like my example. And I remember I had uh, been an overweight kid. And then in in the sixth grade, I was going out for football and and they had told me I was too overweight to play football. So I had to like go on like this big crash diet. And the behavior that I knew how to do that was, uh, was by doing a crash diet to lose the weight. And that was just the behavior that I learned from the generation before me. And so I think if you're raised to feel comfortable being open about any of these things that we're talking about, I think uh, it'll be helpful for every generation going forward. And so I hope the the generation after me, if I'm able to kind of talk a- as openly as possible and young people feel comfortable opening up, I think I-, I think we could change the world. I mean, I think it could be huge if children feel more comfortable and and open up
1: absolutely and we're having such a shift right now in our society you know we're we're ending a lot of things that were normalized bad things you know we're moving toward more equality in all ways and i think you know with all the things we're sweeping up and throwing away i think that these gender norms have to be part of that trash that gets taken out um i work with children i was a teacher for years i'm now in child care and i'm always discussing with parents the importance of not only their words and what they're telling their children, but like what you experience, what they're doing. You know, kids are looking at us. They're looking up to us literally and figuratively, and they're seeing what we do. If we're doing the crash diets, that's what they're learning, and that's what you learned, and and I think you're right. It starts so young. We have to sort of create um, an atmosphere that people feel comfortable no matter what gender they identify with to be able to open up about how they're feeling because men really are at a disadvantage in this way, that they have an extra hurdle to overcome. Speaking about your mental health can already be a challenge, but if you have an additional hurdle to overcome with the stigma surrounding it, that may be too much to take, and that may be why men internalize. In this article, it says the suicide rate is so much higher for men than women in a study. Um, And I think what we need to do, and they put it so well in this article, is that it's important to help men change the idea that getting support is a quote unquote mark of weakness, and instead, we have to have it be more like it's one aspect of your health that requires, you know, like it requires our attention. You would go to the gym. You would eat healthy. Our mental health has to sort of be part of that, the things we balance every day, you know, because I always say that mental health is physical health. It's just another part of you. And so, I mean, it's, it's so normal for men to be in the gym, right? Like that's the stereotype. Men in the gym working on their physical body. But we have to sort of normalize and change the conversation around what's going on inside. I really think that's so important and right. I, I thank you for doing that with your platform.
0: Oh my god, you too. It's a love fest. Of course. <laughs> I'm so impressed uh, by you too. And also, you know, you mentioned the difference between physical and, and mental and I think I realized that at a young age when anxiety started within me and I went to the doctor and I had just gone to my primary care doctor and he had immediately prescribed me with depression without even um, asking me more than maybe two questions. And he had just uh, thrown a medication at me and it wasn't, I'm not someone who's against medication by any means. I just was against the fact that uh, we didn't even have more than a two minute conversation before. And, And so at that point in my life, I remember thinking, oh, I need to have A primary care doctor that's going to look at my physical and then I think it's important to have if you have the access and the resources to also have someone uh, in your life a doctor or professional that can uh, handle the emotional the mental uh, aspect of your of your body
1: absolutely and I think I always am a big proponent of therapy and I really believe that it should start in school and I really think that when kids go to math class science class Art class, and then they're going to sort of like some sort of mental health check, and calling it under whatever they need to call it, guidance. Or I really think this has to just become more normalized, or or we'll never really make huge advancements. And especially now in the COVID era, I think you know everyone, even people who maybe didn't have anything, any you know big struggles or diagnosed struggles before COVID, are definitely their mental health is being tested. We're in a global pandemic, and you know that's affecting everyone from birth. To a hundred years old and beyond. I mean, it, it affects everyone differently. So,
0: I so worry about people right now. Like, I I think like you and I, we have had the chance to think about these issues and think about uh, think about this kind of stuff before. And I think there's so many people who are locked up right now in their homes and and dealing with all of this, and they've never learned any of these tools. They've never had to had to even think about any of this stuff, or they maybe have never experienced anxiety or depression, and now they're suddenly faced with it. And it it scares me because I have been dealing with it for a while, but I have had help and resources and I understand where to go for resources and how to access professionals and that kind of thing. And I, I don't know, I worry about it right now for other people. Yeah,
1: definitely. I certainly do. And I mean, like you said, people who have never faced this before, not only are they facing the first global pandemic of their lifetime, they're experiencing all these new sensations of maybe, you know, elements of anxiety, depression, and and maybe more, in addition to worrying about their children and finances, and what are we going to do, and and when is this going to end, and safety, and maybe they have, you know, a pre-existing condition, so they're so worried about COVID. I mean, it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. And like you said, if you don't have the education or the tools, it's very hard to navigate where to begin, so.
0: And how do you know, like if, if you're if you're someone right now suffering from debilitating depression, how do you know that's not a physical thing? How do you even know the difference between physical and emotional well-being? And I just think there must be so many people right now who are sitting at home in their bed and, and they're in their safety zone and they don't understand that that's a mental, uh, roadblock, and they don't understand these feelings that they're having. It,
1: I don't know. Yeah, I know it's hard. I think in the bio of this episode, I'm going to link. You know, I met this great doctor on Zoom, Dr. Adrian Meyer. She does teletherapy, and I think I may just go ahead and link that for people who may have questions. Um, you know, beyond our our scope of being able to help them, but something that we can maybe provide right now for resources is from our personal experience. So what advice might you give to others who may be struggling with their mental health or finding it difficult to focus on their craft during COVID? And I asked this actually with my husband in mind. Um, He's an actor and a writer as well. And I think, but he also has a pre-existing condition. So COVID is really throwing him for a loop. And I think he's having a hard time sitting down and writing like he used to, or, you know, getting on and doing acting class on Zoom or, or going to workshops on Zoom. So I think it's just really hard for people to focus so what advice could you give to people during this covid era about how to you know what tools what might, might we be able to provide for them
0: Yeah you know it is such a hard thing and I think you have to be easy on yourself uh, right now because we're going through a hard time but at the same time I, and maybe this is controversial I I feel like everyone for months now we've been saying you know be easy on yourself and don't feel the need if you need to stay in bed all day stay in bed all day but now I'm starting to sort of on the other side of that and think we don't know how long this is going to be so I do think it's important to kind of figure out how to be during this time and not to just say oh I'm I'm going to be easy on myself and hop into bed all day and so I I do think we need to be productive because we just simply do not know how long this is going to be going on for and I think just finding ways uh, to do finding resources I mean we talk about uh Zoom you just mentioned uh, some of that People can find on Zoom, and it's like there is zoom therapy right now and and I think it's just important to find whatever resources you can in your area, whether it be uh, hopping online and finding a support group or of of like-minded people where you talk about mental health on Zoom once a week or something like that. I have a group of friends where we we check in on each other just via text all the time, but it's very mental health focused and those kind of things are might be small, but I think you gotta find what you can do. You you need to push yourself to exercise and maybe push yourself to eat healthier than maybe you were at the beginning of the pandemic. Because at the beginning, we were all bets were off, right? We we're like, <laughs> like, I'm gonna put shove whatever in my mouth. I gotta shove in my mouth. Um, but now I think we do have to work at it. And and I maybe that's not very popular, but.
1: No, I actually fully agree with you because, you know, (laughs) my husband and I were joking that, you know, when we first were quarantining at home in March, we like stocked up our fridge like we were in college, like all the junk food, all the snacks, this is going to be so fun, movie night every night, don't have to get up for work. It's like, we didn't know. So we just allowed ourselves to be. But you're right. I mean, we're in month five. We're, you know, we, like you said, there's no way of telling right now exactly how long this will be. So if we do, if we are a little bit too gentle with ourselves, I think we could just sort of backslide and be really in a, like if we say the dark and light, the dark place again. But I think you're right. If we can learn to live in this new normal and find our stride, it might not be great, huge, exactly as we pictured it, but just doing something, right? Right. I think it's like important to learn to live.
0: And all those little things add up. So at the beginning of the pandemic, like when, uh, this was my experience, like when I was just buying all of the the cookies, Chips Ahoy, Oreos, like I have a sweet tooth. So it's like, I was just going to the grocery store and just loading it up. And I remember being like so scared uh, that, you know, I was going to touch someone in the grocery store. So I was going in and out so quickly and just throwing stuff in the car. Like whatever I saw, just throw it in the car and then worry about it when I get home. And that stuff can affect your mood. So when you're shoveling trash into your body, that will affect your mood or Uh, if you're not getting some exercise, you don't have the endorphins, you don't have the serotonin. So you need to do these things to help keep you in a decent headspace so that you can go on. Also, I I mean, I said headspace. I love that app. I'm sure you're familiar.
1: So much. if anyone out there is listening
0: at at the very (laughs) least you can do, you could download that headspace app, do a five minute. It's a guided meditation app. And it's just fantastic. If you need uh, to just kind of get out of your head for a little bit and a reminder to breathe, breathe in and out, which people, we all forget oftentimes. Uh, so yeah, I think it's important to keep up with all of this stuff right now because it'll it'll help us in the end with all of it.
1: Yeah, I fully agree because, you know, my husband and I are actually doing the Whole30 diet and we're doing it for, we're on our third round.
0: That's tough, Caitlin. How are you doing?
1: It's t- I'm doing OK. I mean, at first, it was a huge adjustment from my, you know, I was I was like you, getting all the bright colored things in the grocery store. But I was feeling terrible. My anxiety was at an all-time high. And then we watched that documentary, Fed Up, about how sugar is basically a drug. And I said, we have to work this out from the, the inside out. And so everyone thinks I'm, we're crazy for doing the whole, why are you doing it during the quarantine? This is not the time to restrict yourself more. I said, no, to be honest it changed our lives like uh, not to be like dramatic i feel better i feel like i can go on headspace that i can do my yoga that i I feel clear-minded and i i I really believe it's from the food and and taking care of myself i mean we take care of ourselves physically in so many ways and i think that was like just the next step was to just feed your not only feed your soul but feed your body something really good so i agree
0: uh, all that stuff. When I'm shoveling garbage in my mouth, it's like my I I'm not in the same headspace. I'm mm-hmm. all over the place. I get anxious. I I'm not clear-headed, and I notice it makes a huge difference.
1: A huge difference. So anyone out there, maybe that can be the baby step, right? Maybe switch your diet up a little and see if you can see any results. I think that's I think that's key.
0: And also, just because we're talking about diet, when you do switch it up, especially if you switch it up drastically it will be, you'll, it'll be tough before it gets better. Right. So, you know, just if anyone's listening, like expect that, you know, for a little while, it might be awful. And then you'll come on the other side of it and you'll be like, Oh my God, I'm so grateful that I, I changed things.
1: Yeah. On the whole 30 diet, they call it the tiger blood. You get the tiger blood running through you on like day 16. It's like this great day.
0: (laughs) Uh, Isn't it like the carb flu too? Like, um, where, when the carbs, I I always was taught, like when the carbs are coming out of your body, you get the carb flu. So you feel like you have sort of like the flu a little bit, like you're, you know, when the, all the toxins are coming out and that usually happens, I think around week two ish. Yeah. But
1: yeah. Week two is the big week. Stick with it. Keep
0: going through it. And then you'll all of a sudden you'll snap, you'll wake up one day and you'll snap. You'll be like, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah. Tiger blood hits. I love it.
0: I'm still not quite there yet. I've been, I, I'm just got a bread maker. So I'm like making breads, but
1: I saw, how did your French loaf come out? It looked good.
0: Oh my God. It turned out great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I you're find doing that your special be, you
1: diet know, too, right? From your, from your surgery. Right. So you're on that. What right. Is it? I've the... had
0: I've had some health issues. So I'm mostly just eating things like bread, very bland stuff. So mm-hmm. I bought a bread maker so I could like at least make my own um, and feel a little bit better about it. But And yeah. productive. And productive. I think baking, even, uh, even before the bread maker, I was like baking stuff, uh, not even for myself. I was baking it and sending it to my family or, or whatever, um, or my boyfriend. And it was just helpful to bake. Cause I find that to be very therapeutic.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. Well, we had such a nice, deep conversation. Would you be opposed to a quick two minute game so we can end on a light no, note? Okay, yeah, perfect. So, um, in the spirit of your podcast, Everything Iconic, this game is called Isn't It Iconic? So I'm trying to, like, mel- okay. like bring together your pop culture. It's Alanis, Isn't It Ironic, your podcast. Okay, I'm trying to, like... Wait,
0: Caitlin, before we get into this, can I just ask you, like, what, what are your favorite pop culture things? Like, what do you...
1: Oh, okay. So like... I'm a Bravo girl, so I love all okay. the Bravo things. Um, my husband and I just finished um, Bethany Ever After <sighs> last night for the Wild first ride, time. Wild ride, right? Wild, wild ride I, I i'm not well yet i haven't had enough time sure. to process it um it was my first time seeing it so i've watched bethany all through the years on Rony, but this was this was different this was a it's deep so dive different. yeah you jason know,
0: by the end of it you feel differently than
1: well that's yeah. just the thing did he just get a really good edit on Rony or i don't know yeah, even I in season so. one i was like am I, am I crazy? Am I controversial? Is Jason not that bad? Like I, I'm not seeing it, but by season three, the control, yeah, I, have, I, was I think
0: she had, she had said sort of at the end of the run, I think on the show, you know, she was always trying to protect him. And so, yeah, I do think she controlled it a little bit and the, and she was fine with her looking bad, but she always wanted him to look good. And then all you start to see the cracks coming through and I find it riveting. Do you find like the Bravo stuff mentally relaxing? Cause that's how, that's how I am. When I put on Housewives or something like that, it's like all the Bravo shows for the most part, usually, of course there are exceptions, but usually I'm able to like fully check out when I'm watching those shows. And I'm not exactly sure what it is or, or what it says about me, but yeah, it's like I could put on Roni and it's like an hour of my week where I'm just like not thinking about anything else going on and I'm just enjoying the moment.
1: During COVID, but even prior, the best part of my day, and now with work being uh, work from home, by 6 p.m., I am on the sofa. Bravo is on, and that is just my time to shine. No matter what went on in that day, no matter how much anxiety I had, it just it's like having like two glasses of wine instantly. It just dissipates mm-hmm. and I am just like in my zone. Those are my friends, my enemies, my everything. Mm-hmm. Like I swear, I, I have like a love hate relationship with all of them. Sure. They're so wild. I actually, during COVID got my mom to watch uh oh. housewife. So she's on the bandwagon now.
0: Oh my God. I love so I, that. I hear that from so many, so many people reach out and say the same thing. It's like the housewives are below deck or whatever the show they're watching. It relaxes them in a weird way. And, uh so it's great it's we're able to escape for a little bit with it.
1: yeah escapism is key i feel and bravo is that for me i'm not like a tlc girl or an mtv girl any of those shows it's bravo for me all day and then also uh for pop culture just watching like old rom-coms and and sort of like you know you have comfort food i have like comfort content and i try to go back to shows that i've seen a million times and that can alleviate my anxiety because it's comfortable i know what to expect like i can watch the office forever friends seinfeld those are just like my old reliables, like a soft Mm -hmm. blanket and i think that has been super helpful to me um on some of my i will say it again darker days i think that has really helped me a lot
0: yeah. I mean, you mentioned the stuff that you've seen a million times and that's always the most important, right? It's like that, or that's the most comforting. It's like, if you know exactly what's going to happen, my, my number one is you've got mail the movie. And it's like, I, I put that on and It's like Xanax for me. It just relaxes me.
1: Totally. It's so funny. Cause uh, I turned my husband onto your podcast too. And so sometimes now when we watch old rom-coms, if they're really bad, Ryan will be like, what does Danny think about this? <laughs> and I'm like, I know I can only <laughs> wonder like there's one with uh, Jennifer Aniston and and who's the lead guy? Oh, God, Gerard Butler. He no, he's um blonde Jay Moore, I think Jay Moore. Oh, and Ryan's oh, like it? Danny would never agree with that casting either. Danny would be with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's right. I remember that movie. I think it was um, I can't I can't think of the name. Oppo- not the opposite. I can't think of the name.
1: Some of her rom coms were not yeah, the best. Not great.
0: Yeah, but I we love her anyway.
1: Always, she's a queen. She's a queen icon legend in your words. She
0: sure is. Yes.
1: Okay. So let's do this quick palette cleanser so I can let you go. Isn't it iconic? So I'm going to give you two scenarios and you tell me which one would be more iconic. Okay. Okay. Performing All I Want for Christmas is You with Mariah Carey in Times Square or starring in a Hallmark Christmas movie?
0: Oh my God. That's so tough because I would love (laughs) to do both, but I'd say Mariah in Times Square. Yeah. I mean, I, she's my like number one, human although you know the, the real dream there was one hallmark christmas movie that she directed and it's like so that would be like the the ultimate combination of those yes. two
1: worlds colliding oh my gosh yeah. i didn't realize that that's amazing
0: yeah she directed the lacey chabert hallmark <sighs> christmas she movie. is
1: the hallmark queen lacey. i know she is yeah, yeah. oh my gosh okay thanksgiving dinner at ashley simpson's house with <sighs> the rosses Oh my or goodness. an ugly sweater party, Christmas party at Jessica's house.
0: Okay, this is so hard, Caitlin. <laughs> um, okay, let me think. I, I think I would have I've to say- i got your
1: number, Danny. I know. This is hard. I know, oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> um, you're like trying to wrap it up and I'm like, I need <laughs> 10 minutes to think about this. Um, yeah, I think, think the Jessica one, I think would be better because I would assume that Ashley and the Ross family would be there, True. right? If it's an ugly Christmas sweater. Although, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love a sit down with Diana and Ashley, Right. I mean, but so, so I, I guess I'd say Jessica, but then the next year I'd hope that I could go to Thanksgiving.
1: <laughs> I like how you choose both for all of I'm them. I'm cheating.
0: <laughs> no, okay. no, I choose Jessica. I choose Jessica. Jessica.
1: Okay. She's your queen. Okay. Yeah. Dancing with Vicky on a table okay. at Undelay's or oh being a backup dancer on tour with Erica Jane. Where are you dancing? Where are you putting oh, on your God. dancing shoes?
0: I, if I had to choose one, I'd pref- I prefer Erica Jane. But I think I'd, I'd be more equipped to dance on a bar with Vicky, yeah. um, because, I mean, being a backup dancer sounds so stressful, and you got to be, right on beat. I can't dance at all anyway, and so <laughs> I feel like it would be too much pressure for me. So I'm getting on the bar and on the list.
1: Okay, and do I'm you whooping it-, it up. Yeah, you got to whoop it up. Is she? Did she fully move to Mexico now?
0: I think I, she did. I, yeah, I did. think she, I know she, I think she did. I know her house is up for sale. I had just read that in some blog or something. Okay. And then I had saw somebody sent me like a social media thing where she was new, putting together her place in Mexico or something.
1: I kind of want to visit. Not going to lie. Yeah. Okay. Being a bartender at sir or a trainer at cut fitness.
0: Oh goodness. <laughs> uh, oh my God. These are so good. Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> I guess bartender at Sir. Although I used to bartend and I was really not good at it. Um, yeah, but I'd say bartender at Sir.
1: Or maybe you could bartend at Tom Tom because you've got an cut inn. Fitness, they'll they'll yeah. cut you some slack.
0: <laughs> I feel like Cut Fitness would be boring too because no one's ever there. It's like I was basically say, a ghost town.
1: Yeah, you're just collecting a paycheck at that job. You're just sitting That's there. That's true. Yeah. Okay, two more. Starring in a Nancy <sighs> Myers film or being a co-host on The View.
0: Oh my God, Caitlin, you are killing me. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, I would say Nancy Myers. Okay. I, I worship Nancy Myers. I love her movies. I want to live in one of her movies. So I don't just want to star in it. I want to live in it. Um, and The View, I watch every night. It's it's similar to me with Housewives where it's like visual Xanax. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it'd be tough to be a panelist on one of those shows because no matter what, like half the people like you, you know, or, or totally. half the people hate you. And so mm-hmm. I see even with Housewives, it's like that. But with The View, it's, it's like that times 10 because- I, I see what they get online and what people come at them with. And it's like, no matter what, you have to give your opinion on that show. And it's going to polarize a lot of people. So I, I think oh, really? that'd be a tough gig for anyone. And and being in a Nancy Myers movie would just be a dream.
1: Yeah, that would be like calming your anxiety and being on The View and getting the hate could be like amplifying the anxiety. So I think I fully agree with that one. Okay, last one. Which okay? Because also during quarantine, I my husband and I binged all the one season wonders on Bravo. So Gallery mm-hmm. Girls, Princesses, Timber Creek Lodge, all these shows. Which one would be more iconic to bring back? Gallery Girls or Princesses Long Island?
0: For me, it'd be Gallery Girls. Like I just I love Gallery Girls and that more than any other show on Bravo. It's like that's the one I'd want back. I'd also love NYC Prep back. <gasps> that was yes. like a oldie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was just one season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And Real House is a DC. I love Back. That was only one season. But Gallery Girls is like my number one. It was so insane. And I loved it.
1: It was so insane. I felt actually like so creepy watching NYC prep because they were just so young. Like, you know, I think my Vanderpump kids are young, even though they're not really. They're kind of like our age. But I don't know. NYC prep had a very young feel for me. But Gallery Girls is was like chef's kiss it was amazing and i think that dorinda's daughter should i also agree she should be on it She looks like
0: she fit right in i know right
1: in you
0: know i haven't watched nyc prep since like year i don't know years ago when it was on so i wonder going back and watching it because i think they were like the same age as me at the time or around the same age like when it so yeah, I, I'm curious. I probably feel like a weirdo watching it now, too. But... Yeah,
1: it's like funny to look back. Even if I went back and watched The Hills or something or Laguna, it would feel so mm-hmm. weird because we like the same thing. I was that age when it was happening, but going back would feel like really weird when they're in high school. I get very right. Like, right. OK, I'm too old to be here. I got to go. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Time to leave the party.
1: Absolutely. it's It's important to know when to leave. Oh, Danny, I want to thank you so much for being on Wonderfield Week today. I appreciate you being candid and giving us a glimpse into the life of a creative while providing us with helpful tools that we can use in our own lives. These conversations are critical in the mission to end the stigma around mental health, and you are using your platform in such a positive and impactful way. And thank you for being a light for so many, including me, during these sometimes dark days. And everyone be sure to follow Danny on social media, at Danny Pellegrino. Subscribe and listen to his hilarious podcast, Everything Iconic, which is keeping me going in quarantine. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I think everyone should treat themselves like I did to Danny's book, Fancy AF Cocktails, and it's available on Amazon. But if you can, I think everyone should go through IndieBound.org and try to buy it from a small bookshop. So... Thank you, Danny. Caitlin,
0: thank you so much. For, thank you for having me. This was such a delight. And I'm blushing from that <laughs> outro. I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. And I'm just so uh, grateful you had me on uh, to be able to talk about this stuff. Any anytime we could talk about mental health, it's a good thing. If we can open up anyone who is out there listening, even if they uh, can open up to a friend or a family member, uh, it can be very helpful. It, not everyone has access to the resources uh, to talk to a professional. but but try your best to at least start to open up to someone because you'll find that you'll want to open up a little bit more after you do. And you'll find that other people are experiencing similar things. So I'm no expert in this stuff, but uh, you know, it's great if you can open up.
1: Absolutely. We'll leave it there because that was so perfect. Thank you. Jen. So much life is store.
0: So much life is store. Life, is short. life is simple. Life is joy. Life is pain. Life is wonderful and terrible but it's beautiful and love's the same life is short life is simple life is joy and life is pain life is wonderful and terrible but it's beautiful and love's the same loves the same